Hi, this is uh, Dr. Stephen Bracci. Welcome back to Ageless Rage, where we have conversations that we would wish we were having with our physician. Today's conversation is very important to me. It's uh, gray hair. Why do we go gray and what can we do about it and what's the future lie for research? So the first thing is, is I want to really congratulate and I have a lot of admiration for the new trend for a lot of people who are embracing gray hair. I think it looks wonderful and I think it's beautiful and uh, I think that it's something that's probably here to stay. However, for people who want to talk about other alternatives, that's what we're going to talk about today. Well, first of all, what causes gray hair? Well, the biggest thing that causes gray hair is genetics. We're born with a predisposition for gray hair. So we know that there's a 50-50-50 rule where 50% of the people will have 50% of grayness by the age of 50. And we also know that certain races have predisposition to gray hair. We know the earliest to go gray are typically people of European descent, followed by Asian people, and lastly by African descent, people of African descent. And what happens is we know that women, well basically in, the, in terms of the races, we know that Europeans tend to show gray on average about 34 years old on their early onset of gray hair, where Afri people of African descent is even clearly a decade later, it's on average of, of, a, of 44 or 45 years old. And we know that there's differences between the sexes. We know that women tend to get gray hair in this, in this forehead area and it tends to go back from there. They tend to get it gray here first. Secondly, men tend to get gray on the, on the temple area and the sideburn area and then it goes back from there. So there's this specific sex-related pattern to the gray hair. So what happens is what causes this? Does stress the major variable? Well, stress can be a variable. It's certainly not the most important variable. I think it's been overestimated that stress causes this, but certainly people under undue stress can have a higher risk of going gray. But anything that really interferes with our overall health is a stress to the body or have a metabolic insult to our bodies is gonna make us predisposed to grayness beyond the genetics. So for example, we know that people that have early onset of cardiovascular disease, well, certainly they get gray hair earlier than average. We know people with diabetes are more susceptible to this. We know that any kind of vitamin B12, people have deficiencies in that. People that go through extreme weight loss are more likely to have hair loss and gray hair. So anything that is basically gonna weaken our body or have a stress to our body is gonna have an effect on the, the strength of our hair and in doing so will have uh, implications on how we go gray and how fast we go gray. And also lifestyle variables, smoking and alcohol intake is certainly not helpful to our overall metabolism and it's not gonna help our, our hair at all. Um, so, and we also know that exercise can be helpful to our overall metabolism. There was a study I remember seeing years ago with uh, mice who were given high intensity exercises compared to a control group of mice that were sedentary. And the intense exercise group of mice had better overall metabolism and they had less visual grayness to their, to the hair at the same age. So I think I found that very interesting. Um, 
So basically, what is the mechanism that actually makes us go gray? So we have something in our hair bulb called a melanocyte, and the melanocytes are what's responsible for giving us the pigment to our hair. So what is interesting about melanocytes is they go and they become in an active state that produces this pigment that makes our hair darker. But as we mature, that pigment, that melanocyte goes to a, a, an immature state or a, a dormant state where it stops producing pigment. And we used to think this was a one-way one process where it happened, it was over with, and once it stopped, the, the melanocyte stopped producing uh, pigment, it was no hope and it would never come back again. But we're learning now recently that there's throttling that goes on where the melanocytes go from the active state to the inactive state and go back and forth before they succumb to, to the later stages of being permanently disabled or immature. So that's a, that gives us a lot of hope because we know that there's this in-between state and we, if we can give something, medication or a lifestyle choice that we can keep that melanocyte for extra years in that active state, we can keep your hair gray for, uh, um, your hair darker for much longer. So what, what can we do? What medications are available? Well, there's two medications on the market that are commonly used that can help our hair grow stronger. So that even though there's no research that indicates that these medications directly make our hair less gray, there's a lot of suggestions from people that by making the hair grow stronger, we're make, making the melanocytes grow stronger and the melanocytes in itself may stay in that active state for a longer period of time. So even though there's no research, there's a lot of suggestions that this works. So number one is, is minoxidil. Minoxidil is a medicine that was approved originally as a blood pressure medicine. And minoxidil works because people who were taking this blood pressure medicine so soon found out they had a lot of extra hair that they didn't have before. So it wasn't such a great blood pressure medicine, so they decided, well, let's just try taking this instead of using it orally as a blood pressure medicine, let's try taking it and putting it right on the head itself and, and doing so opening the blood vessels to see if that helps with the hair growth. And sure enough, that worked great. So that's where we can get minoxidil topically over the counter, and I think pretty much anybody that has any concerns about hair, it's a simple thing to apply minoxidil once or twice a day, and it opens those blood vessels and makes our hair stronger, and, and in doing so, it may make our melanocytes stronger and make our hair darker. Second to that is a hormonally related medicine called finasteride. Finasteride works basically to block something called DHT, and it works to prevent for men, it blocks the, the, the male pattern baldness. So what happens to men is they have testosterone, and testosterone get converted to something called DHT. DHT affects the men's prostate and the hair follicles, and it makes a lot of men go bald because of that extra DHT. So what, it, what finasteride does is it blocks the conversion of testosterone to DHT, and in doing so protects men from male pattern baldness. And more recently, that's been used similarly topically, so people feel that's great because if you use it topically, you have less of the systemic effects and you can put it right on the head and make, um, and make the hair grow stronger. Even though it's not approved for topical, many people are using it that way. Also, this medicine has encouraging implications for women as well. So what happens to women is when women go through menopause, they lose estrogen. And so what happens is, they have a balance that the ratios of testosterone to estrogen are different. And so women 
experience, albeit not as much, but they experience some of the same effects of male pattern baldness as men do because they have relatively more testosterone than they did. Rel the ratios of estrogen to testosterone have been changed. So again, there's a lot of hope for women who can go, who are women who are going through menopause often see that their hair is turning excessively gray when they go through that menopause in that short number of years that they go through that period of time. So there's a lot of hope that for women too, that they can use this medication. Now this medication can't be used for younger women because it would have implications on, on having their, their offspring or their children be affected by that, that medicine, but certainly women over menopause age can actually most likely be benefit. And these are prescription, finasteride's a prescription medicine, so that's something you could talk to your doctor about. So where are we going with this in the future? So we know that anything that weakens our hair, anything that affects our metabolism, anything that stresses our body beyond the genetic component is gonna make us, um, make us more susceptible to going gray. We do know that there's two medicines on the market, that the finasteride and the minoxidil that can be used in certain situations to make our hair healthier. And the implication is that that healthier hair may have a better have a healthier melanocyte and have less uh, graying effect. Lastly, there's a lot of research being done on something called plasma platelets, which is in our plasma, which is in our plasma, which is in our blood. Um, there's, a, there's a therapy that goes on where people get their blood drawn and then they have the, the platelets from their own blood being injected into their head to stimulate growth of hair. And in doing so, that may help with gray hair as well. Another encouraging part of this research is that in particular, there's something inside of our own platelets called exosomes, and now they're starting to manufacture those exosomes in the laboratory and, and sell it commercially. So there's a lot of hope that, well, maybe in the future we can find something that's, with, that's replicating our own body's, uh, own body's tissue to stimulate growth of our hair and doing so help with the, the melanocytes and the lessening of gray hair. So overall, there's a lot that can be done. There's a lot of research, and I thank you for joining us once again. Thank you for listening to Ageless Rage. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and be certain to follow us on Instagram at Ageless Rage Podcast.